0: Love music. Live sport. Pole Position with Andy Alston and Adam Todd on Rock Sport Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Pole Position on Rock Sport Radio. It's Andy Alston with you alongside Adam Todd, broadcasting live on DAB Digital Radio across central Scotland on TuneIn and online, talking motorsport from 8 until 9. So on the show this week, Vettel full of glee as Ferrari make it three, Marquez well gone with a win in Aragon, and Sordo set to stay with the Hyundai way. All this and more on Pole Position. Now, Ferrari were on the top step of the podium for the third time in as many races after Sebastian Vettel won the Singapore Grand Prix last weekend, finishing ahead of his teammate Charles Leclerc with Red Bull's Max Verstappen in third place. And Adam, that was Vettel's first win in well over a year as well, and he looked pretty emotional after
2: um, Sunday too. He did, and it was a massive victory for Sebastian Vettel because, as you rightly said, over a year without a victory, every race this year. Vettel has been building up pressure from the media, from fellow drivers as well, and his teammate Charles Leclerc since the summer break has just been terrific, and let's not forget he got pole in Singapore and was disappointed to lose out in the race victory due to Ferrari's strategy, but for Sebastian Vettel, seeing you know the young Charles Leclerc who's got a whole career ahead of him and will probably go on and win a massive amount of races and I think he can be a multiple world champion as well and to have saw Charles Leclerc win in Belgium win in Italy probably Ferrari's best two opportunities to win races this season and for Vettel not to get anything you then go to Singapore thinking is Vettel even going to win a race this season and he delivered the goods in Singapore did he get lucky? Yes, but he was in the right place and I thought the way he cut through the traffic as well when Ferrari uh, pitted Vettel earlier when it should have been Charles Leclerc because he was ahead in the road and of course the first car on the road gets priority normally, that's the way it works in Formula 1 but the way he got through the traffic I think it was Giovinazzi and Gasly who were out in front I thought was superb and it was very risky because Singapore a very narrow track, it's very difficult to overtake on and he was overtaking for position then because they hadn't pitted. So I thought the way he cut through the field, he deserved that victory. And it's his fifth win in Singapore and he's got the most wins of any driver at the Marina Bay circuit. So well done, Seb.
1: And it's fair to say it has been a, a difficult year for veto How important is it, do you feel, that he finishes this season strongly. Huge, because it's all about the battle
2: to be number one at Ferrari next season. Because the way they're heading, they are going to be fighting for the championship next season in 2020. Now, we said that this time last year, and it never came to fruition. We said that after pre-season testing, but I think you can clearly see there is a clear trajectory that Ferrari are on the way up again, which is great for Formula One, great for the fans and great for the sport. So I think for Sebastian Vettel, he really does need to start to assert his dominance because next season, you know, they may start off with two number ones, Ferrari, Vettel and Leclerc, but sooner or later, they will have to choose one. It's as simple
1: as that. Now Charles Leclerc, of course, led much of the race. He was leapfrogged by Vettel during the pit window. But Adam, the one thing that interested me about this, and, and you've kind of alluded to it there in your last answer, is there wasn't much interaction between the pair after the race. And and is this because there's this tension behind the scenes of of, of Leclerc wanting to assert his authority at the team as being that number one driver, and this is Vettel now bouncing back and saying, well, actually, it's um, I'm I'm the four-time world champion. I'm the driver that's been here for quite some time. And I am still the the man to take this team forward.
2: Yeah, we said it on last week's show that it must be very frustrating for Sebastian Vettel. This was after Charles Leclerc had just taken two wins on the bounds. That must be very frustrating for Sebastian Vettel, who's been at Ferrari since the start of the 2015 season and has been the major figure in that rebuilding process. You know, the team's been built around Vettel. And they're back to winning ways and have been for the past couple of seasons. Should Vettel have won a championship last year? Certainly. Should he have won more races over the course of the past couple of seasons? Yes. But in terms of that battle between Leclerc and Vettel at the team, I have to say I thought Leclerc wasn't great on Sunday. Yes, he was hard done by, but I just felt the way he acted on the team radio, you know, airing dirty laundry across millions in the globe, For me, you know, I thought he showed his age there. And a lot of people say Charles Leclerc, for his age, is a very cool man. He knows what to say to the media. And he certainly does. But I felt yesterday, uh, sorry, on Sunday, with the heat, humidity of Singapore, perhaps that got to him. And, of course, he's going to be frustrated. He should be frustrated. Because as a racing driver, you should always want to
1: finish first. But at the end of the day, Formula One as a team sport. It is, Adam, and that's the thing as well, because lots of people feeling that Leclerc was hard done by it, and absolutely, you know, but, but that is more sport, that's just the nature of the beast. Now, go back a few races to Monza in qualifying, Leclerc's meant to give Vettel the tone, and yes, everything else that happened, I appreciate all that, but Leclerc didn't stick to the game plan there, and it didn't really, you know, it was it was kind of swept under the carpet to an extent, and Vettel, oh well, tough luck, that's what happens. That was the, the kind of argument from a lot of people at that point. Now the shoes on the other foot. We, you know, Leclerc's not in a position to sit there and, and, and cry wolf. You know, that, that's the nature of the beast. For me, Sebastian Vettel is still the number one driver at Ferrari, and I know some people disagree with that. But the team, as you you said, it's built around him. You know, Leclerc may well be the future, but Sebastian Vettel is the present. Yeah, and I think for Sebastian Vettel,
2: your question earlier is the critical one. He does need to finish the season strongly, otherwise we go into next season and he's not the number one. And I think there's only six points between the two drivers at the moment, so that's going to be one of the most fascinating battles to see who gets that third place in the Drivers' Championship behind the two Mercedes. In fact, the way Valtteri Bottas is going at the moment, even one of them might even beat Bottas to second. Um, But... For Sebastian Vettel, is he still number one? That that's a difficult question because I feel at the start of the season it was, but I just feel Charles Leclerc's performances, you know, do merit him almost being the number one driver. I think he's the better driver at the moment. Does that make him number one in the team? Perhaps not, because as you mentioned, the team is still built around Sebastian Vettel. But I just think Charles Leclerc has been the better driver this season. Vettel's made a lot of mistakes. And I hope, I hope that Sebastian goes on and wins a few more races between now and the season. Because I think it's great for Formula 1. Because it's been a tough time and let's hope that race victory can really kickstart the rest of his year. Because as I mentioned, the pressure must have been enormous in Sebastian Vettel. Over a year in a car that is fairly competitive, the amount of mistakes he's made has been built up. People were saying his career was gone after Monza just a
1: couple of weeks ago. And my goodness, did he respond in style? Absolutely. But Adam, I think a lot of that pressure on Vettel comes down to the fact that expectations on his shoulders for 2019 were to go and win the championship. Leclerc wasn't under any expectation to do that. Leclerc was in there to find his feet, perhaps get the odd result, um, and and, and just build upon that going forward. So expectations being different for Leclerc, he's well and truly surpassed him, of course he has, but it's a very different beast leading a team like Ferrari during what's been a turbulent few years, let's be honest. And the interesting thing for me now as well is how those behind the scenes at Maranello manage this situation between Leclerc and Ferrari, because for me, it is quite clear, they don't really see they to try- eye, and they're trying to, to get the mechanics on their side, they're trying to get the, the team working in their favour going forward, and this is where Vettel's experience comes in quite handy, I have to say, because he's been in this situation as well before with Daniel Ricciardo, of course, at Red Bull, it's still all new to Charles Leclerc at Formula One level, Adam. That's an interesting point, bringing
2: up Daniel Ricciardo, because Ricciardo, you know, effectively did wipe the floor with Sebastian Vettel, you know, and um, Ricciardo had three race victories to Vettel zero, Vettel was rarely on the podium in 2014 and he was coming off the back of uh, four world championships and had absolutely dominated Formula One at the start of this decade. And many people saw a similar situation emerging with Charles Leclerc joining Ferrari. But as I mentioned, only six points separates them at the moment. And Leclerc's had his fair share of mistakes, let's not forget this season, and perhaps hasn't received the same criticism. And that's due to, as you mentioned, no expectations, perhaps no pressure on him. He's there to play almost a a number two role. But I think Vettel... Hasn't been, and we've talked about this, you know, nearly every week when we discuss Vettel, hasn't been as comfortable in the car in these new, faster cars and since, effectively, 2017, mm. when the new regulations came in. But also since 2014, when he, when he struggled in that Red Bull, went to Ferrari and almost rebuilt his career again after a shocking year in 2014. But I think against this young gun, Charles Leclerc, he's certainly holding his own at the moment, um, Vettel. How do the team manage this situation going forward? It is going to be fascinating indeed because Leclerc has got to be punished for consistently obeying um, team orders because he's done it a few times, you know, it wasn't just Monza. And if he continues to do this, something is going to happen, you know, and it's a difficult one for Ferrari because do you, I mean, not this will all take place behind closed doors, of course, but do you have a firm word with, with Charles Leclerc? Um, an upset, perhaps, your driver that's perhaps going to be your next world champion, or do you back the man who has four world championships, has proven himself in Formula One, and you know has helped to rebuild
1: your team? It's a tricky one. Absolutely, and um, Ferrari might well have those those difficult conversations to make this weekend, of course, because we've got more action to look forward to with the Russian Grand Prix taking place. But Adam, I want to turn the conversation to Mercedes now. Do you think there's a real cause for concern there within that camp?
2: Well, Mercedes, there's not much you can really say about Mercedes since 2014 that has gone wrong, but I would arguably say that was one of their most shocking races since the hybrid era in terms of strategy. Um, you know, it's a few days on now from that race, and I still cannot understand wh- what happened. You know, because Lewis Hamilton rightly said after the race that he had the pace to win that Grand Prix. And I think that was pretty clear. You know, Charles Leclerc was nursing the tyres, controlling the pace. Hamilton could have gone faster. Simple as that. Um, So it was a race that Mercedes should have won. So therefore, it wasn't a pace issue. So I think it's perhaps not a cause for concern for Mercedes because they know they had the pace to win that Grand Prix. But what will concern them is they didn't win that race. And that's motorsport. Ferrari have now won three races on the bounce And they'll now be looking to win four races for the first time since 2008. And uh, this would be a historical moment in the hybrid era because Mercedes have never gone this far without a victory. So it's important for Mercedes that they do bounce back in Russia. And it'll be fascinating to see if Ferrari's upgrades that they brought to Singapore that worked work in Russia because Russia does have a few long straights as well. And we know that Ferrari has very, very impressive top speed with, with the engine power. So is there cause for concern at mercedes Not at the moment. But if you're looking ahead to next season, perhaps there is. But then again, our Mercedes already looking ahead to next season. Have they effectively said, Lewis, you're 65 points clear of your teammate. You're comfortably ahead of the rest of the pack. Watch Charles Leclerc on 200. You're 96 points ahead. Effectively, four race victories. How many races have we got left? Six or seven? So perhaps they've already got one eye in next season. And while we're seeing while we're seeing Ferrari deliver at the same time you'd also expect Ferrari to be looking towards an almost writing off this season but at the same time they'll be wanting to secure second I do not believe there's cause for concern at Mercedes at the moment but you know if Ferrari win the next two races in a row for example or or even
1: in Russia then I think there will be um, but I do expect Mercedes to bounce back does this this, I was going to call this this kind of Dry spell of form for Mercedes, but I dare say it's all relative over the last few years, yeah. isn't it? But does this shine a spotlight on their second driver issue here, Adam? Because we were having a little chat about it before we came on air as well, about the situation with Bottas. And and, and when things go against Lewis Hamilton, which, yes, OK, it's rarely, I just don't have that confidence that is the, the driver to, to step up and put pressure on the Ferraris. Whereas if you look at, say, Verstappen, he can go right in there and and he was ultimately the, the, the driver on that final step of the podium last weekend. Yeah, I mean, at any racetrack, Verstappen creates things. Does Bottas create things?
2: Probably not. You know, Bottas is a top-quality driver. There is no denying that. But is he that world-class driver that's going to deliver you world championships and win your races when you have no right to win them? No, he's not. Last weekend, he finished 5th now, Mercedes obviously focused on Lewis Hamilton. He's, he's their main man at the team. And uh, Singapore is very difficult to overtake, as I mentioned. And effectively, you needed almost two seconds in front of the, the car in front in terms of a delta to overtake. So let's not be too harsh on him. But I tell you, Valtteri Bottas is only 31 points ahead of Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, who are level 200. If Valtteri Bottas does not finish second this season, that is completely unacceptable. He finished fifth last season when his teammate finished first. Mm. And this would be a season where Mercedes were in a league of their own for probably the entire first half of the year. Ferrari turned up maybe once or twice in Red Bull. If Bottas does not finish second, then... That speaks volumes. I don't need to analyse that.
1: But then, is what better place for for Bottas to make amends than the Russian Grand Prix this weekend? Because of course, if we go back twelve months ago, Bottas was dominating. You know, he started on pole position, leading most of the race. Mercedes then enforcing team orders making Bottas give way for Lewis Hamilton, and of course it was, it was Hamilton that went on to take the 25 points on that occasion. So I, I dare say this is a, a an important race for Bottas in many ways. And one, and Yes, of course, he's got his contracts secured next year and so on and so forth, but it's still one where it's for the confidence as much as anything for Bottas because it's one where he can come in and say, if I, if I put in a strong performance this weekend, then I can, I can go on and finish the remainder of 2019 on the front foot.
2: Yeah, I think you touched on it with Altru Bottas earlier that when you do have other drivers in the mix, you know, he's not going to be winning races. And this is the problem. This was masked in the first five races of the year, you know. It was either Bottas winning, a Hamilton second, or Bottas second. But Bottas was picking up lots of these second places because Red Bull and Ferrari weren't in the mix. But when you put six drivers into the pot at the front, that's when Bottas, Mercedes, stopped getting one twos and it becomes one threes, one fours, whatever. Um, or in this instant, um, four fives. Um, but yeah, I think for Valtteri Bottas, this will be a key marker this Grand Prix because, as you said, I would arguably say it's one of his, um, you know, his strongest tracks, if not his strongest track. And um, he's very good there. And win was taken away from him controversially, especially when the margin Hamilton went on to win the championship. So if Bottas doesn't deliver here and is well beat by not only Hamilton but the Ferraris and Red Bull the pressure's going to mount on him. You know, he he may have a contract signed, but that does not stop the pressure coming. When you're driving for the best team in Formula 1, you know, you need to deliver. And for me,
1: again, in the second half of the year, he doesn't seem to deliver. No, absolutely. It's as simple as that. And what better way to find out than having more Formula 1 to look forward to this weekend. All right, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk MotoGP. Up next on Pole Position.
0: (laughs) If you're a fan of Scottish junior football then just the juniors is a must listen for you here on Rock Sport Radio. Nobody brings you more or better coverage of the junior game on radio than Bill Kilgour and John Redmond. Unrivaled knowledge. Interviews with the managers, players and people who run junior football in Scotland. Every Friday 8pm to 9pm is when you can hear Scotland's flagship junior football show. Make sure you're listening. Just the juniors brought to you by Plum Base, the trade's premier league team. Leave the winter outside with Plum Base's hottest offers in Feel the Heat brochure. Get yours at your local Plum Base branch.
1: Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Hello. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.
0: They've had your money long enough. Now's the time to act. If a bank like Lloyd's or the Halifax persuaded you to move your savings and you lost out, don't miss this opportunity to get your money back. Text GOOD to seven, and Goodwin Barrett could help you recover monies you thought had gone for good. Don't miss out. Text GOOD to 6677 now. Goodwin You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the Financial Ombudsman. It's easy to put things off.
3: I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer... Or you're having trouble with your waterworks? Do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out.
0: Love music. Live sport. Pole Position with Andy Alston and Adam
2: Todd on Rock Sport Radio. Now, Mark Marquez took another step towards a sixth Premier Class title after he won the latest MotoGP race in Aragon. Joining us to look back on the race and discuss the biggest talking points from the world of MotoGP is Josh Close from our friends at the Checkered Flag. And Josh, thanks for joining us. For Marquez, after losing two races in the final lap, he's certainly bounced back in recent weeks with wins at Mizano and Aragon.
4: Yes, that's right. I think we're seeing. Um Peak Marquez now, you know, is he's really hit top gear and it's it's quite scary for the rest of them to be honest with you. Two completely different races. Um Amazano, you know, he kind of stopped. Guataro for the majority of the race waiting until the final lap. You could say on purpose in many ways because he wanted to uh do what had happened to him to somebody else in many ways. Um very clever ride. And then last week, Aragon, you know, in front of his home fans, he just destroyed them from the get-go. From three practice, one on Friday morning, he was over two seconds clear. Um, and from that moment onwards, you just know he was going to win by some margin and nobody was going to get close to him.
2: And Marquez will go to Thailand with his first opportunity to win this year's championship. I mean, when you look at his statistics this year, first and or second in Every Grand Prix, apart from the one in Texas, where we expect him to win all the time, and of course, he crashed out while leading comfortably. I mean, he's just breaking record after record at the moment, isn't he? It's been incredible. And you know, we were talking, me and Andy were talking about this off air. Maybe boring for the neutral who want to see an exciting championship battle, but at the same time, it's also incredible to just watch a master of his art in action.
4: He he really is on another level, especially at the moment, as you say, you know, eight victories this season alone, um, not outside of the top two, apart from his mistake in Texas. Um, yeah, it's difficult, you know, he, he is unbelievable to watch, you know, he's on the edge, on the limit all the time. Um, even when he crashes, he doesn't crash because he saves it somehow. Um but, yeah, you can see the other side, you know, as I was getting ready to watch the race on Sunday, I kind of knew that the only action I was really going to get is for second, which is a shame. But, yeah, you have to respect the man, you know, is just on another level. There's There's no catching him at the
2: minute. And Josh, one story I want to get your thoughts on is the whole Valentino Rossi and Mark Marquez situation. They, of course, have history. It's a pang a few years ago when Rossi was fighting for the challenge. It kicked him off his bike. Incredible scenes. And just a couple of weeks ago at San Marino, we had more drama. Explain what happened there and what came of it since then. Yeah, so at San Marino a couple
4: of weeks ago... Um, they came together in qualifying um there was towards the end of q2 i believe on the final fastest lap um and marquez claimed i believe that rossi had hit the green uh part of it off the track so therefore his lap was void so he overtook him and in doing so he himself went onto the green patch then rossi said you know what his lap's void i'm going to overtake him again uh, Rossi tried to make uh, that move, went in too deep. The pair nearly clashed and knocked each other off. Marquez turned and gave him the arm. And then they both gave their uh, interviews afterwards, blaming one another. Um, you know, it, it's almost like these situations for those two just happen. They're like magnets to one another. Um, I think they, I don't know, it's hard really. You know, but I think they like to wind each other up to some point now such as the history between the two. And the thing is, you know, as soon as something happens on the track, you go onto social media and you have Rossi fans and Marcos fans just arguing back and forth of who's to blame for this, who's to blame for that. You know, it's an ongoing debate and one that'll probably not stop until probably Rossi retires, to be honest.
2: How frustrating do you think it is for Valentino Rossi at the moment? Yamaha is uncompetitive, certainly in comparison to Marquez, on the Honda. And he's watching this young rider steal all his records. Everybody was saying Valentino Rossi would be the greatest of all time. And now Mark Marquez, still so young, going for a sixth Premier Class title already. It's scary to think what Marquez could end up on. But for Valentino Rossi, knowing that he's perhaps only got a couple more years and MotoGP left. It just must be so frustrating for him knowing that he can't put up a fight against this young gun and he's stealing all Rossi's records that perhaps we thought would never be broken.
4: Yes, that's right. Um, The two are always kind of compared against one another. Um, Even this weekend just gone, when Mark has achieved his uh, 200th Grand Prix, they put them up side by side. Uh, and Interestingly, I believe Rossi actually had more wins and podiums Uh, They share seven titles, but Marquez obviously um, dominated in the pole positions. Um, But the difference is Rossi's got a couple of years. Marquez has got 10 plus. He's going to obviously knock Rossi off the top step eventually. Um, It must be difficult for Avantino, you know, um, especially given their rivalry on the track as well. I'm sure he's going to hate seeing Marquez when he gets his sixth, seventh, eighth Premier Class title. Um it is difficult and you know there are people out there that are still forever gonna say Rossi is the best ever. I guess one thing that Marquez might have to do is switch manufacturer if he's really gonna put himself at the top of the hill, you know, he may be the best Honda rider of all time, win ten titles. But you're always gonna have people then say, Well Rossi won on a Honda and a Yamaha or, you know, even Stoner won a on a Ducati and a Honda. Um so perhaps that is something that Márquez is going to have to look at sometime soon. And I feel like he might even want to just prove that he is just as good as, as if not better, than Rossi. So he might want to switch just for the Rossi reason.
2: Now, Marquez clearly dominating as far as the Riders' Championship is concerned, but Repsol Honda not having it all their own way in the team standings because of Jorge Lorenzo's lack of competitiveness at the moment. Ducati leading that, although with Marquez's current form, you wouldn't be surprised if Repsol Honda are able to beat Ducati, which would be incredible considering how bad Jorge Lorenzo has been this season. I mean, it's so frustrating for fans to see Jorge Lorenzo in the position he's in because we know how good a rider he is. Um, is there any hope that Lorenzo will eventually be competitive even this time next year? Do you think he'll be able to deliver? It took a while the Ducati and people were saying he did just easier to the Honda but it has been dreadful, all the injuries as well. And even at the weekend, he just looked really dejected after that race.
4: Yes, that's right. You know, the start of the race of the weekend, he actually made a good start, made a few positions. You know, it certainly caught my eye that he made four or five places. Uh, it sadly, he eventually dropped to finish last, I believe. Um, it is such a huge shame because, as you say, you know, he is a very talented rider. Um, you have to remember he's been injured for the best part of up to 12 months since gone last year and then Thailand the week after when he had that huge crash. Um Yeah, it's not looking good right now. You know, there's been public comments made by Honda management about Lorenzo as well. The relationship is certainly not there. And I think when you've got Mark Marquez as a teammate as well, I can't see him really adapting to the Honda, especially given that, you know, that's Mark Marquez's bike. Nobody can ride that bike apart from Mark Marquez. Um, At Ducati, you had WC who could ride it obviously really well. Petrucci was doing well on the Pramac. It was a more, it was an easier bike to get to grips with than the Honda is. So I, I do worry for Lorenzo, and I, I, I just don't know what is going to happen before the end of the year. Even we've seen Zarco walk up, being, you know, walking out of his contract and then being thrown out early. Who's to say that might happen to Lorenzo, which would be a huge shame because I don't know where he would go after that.
2: I was just going to ask you that because of course Lorenzo is. Fairly adamant that he would like to see out his contract with Honda, but at the moment the way things are going, it looks like a slow, painful road to, to a retirement of a career which could have produced so many more race victories and so many more titles. Do you think Lorenzo regrets leaving not only Yamaha to join Ducati, but also leaving Ducati just at a time when he was starting to win?
4: Um, yeah, I'm not sure about Yamaha. I think um, he'd kind of run, it, run his course there, especially Valentino coming back. You know, it's kind of that hunger thing as well. You know, he wanted to go on to another manufacturer and try and, you know, win a race, get on the podium, maybe even go for the title. So I have to respect him for making that initial move from Yamaha to Ducati. Um, but then the second move, yeah, ultimately you know, they just didn't give him enough time. You know, it's 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 so bad now looking that moments after they announce he's going to believe and he starts winning on the Ducati, they get the package right. Um, and we saw in those few races over last summer that he could be the man on the Ducati. And who knows, if he'd have stayed there, um, he might have been challenging. I think he would have been challenging for podiums and maybe the other race win this year alongside the Vizioso. Um So yes, it's a huge shame. And I, for one, will be you know, disappointed to see Lorenzo's career end early if that does happen.
2: And finally, Josh, five races to go of this season in MotoGP. looks like the championship will clearly be wrapped up by Mark Marquez, if not in Thailand and certainly in Japan. But what other riders and battles should we be looking out for as we head into the final few races of the year?
4: I think you have to... Um, keep your eye on Fabio Cotillaro. Um, You know, he pushed Marquez all the way. He even had a dig at trying to get the uh, win back from him at Mazzano. Um, quiet race at the weekend. I say quiet. It's his rookie year but he finished fifth. You know, this kid is the star of the future. Um, I expect him to maybe grab a couple more podiums for the year result. out. Um, Vinales as well is also slowly improving on the Yamaha. He's now getting off the line well and sticking with the leading group. Um, So both, i say those two Yamahas are definitely the riders to look out for. Um, It's a shame that Paul Aspargo Aspargo injured himself at the weekend because he was on a good roll as well for KTM. Um, But yes, overall, I I expect the young Yamaha duo of Quattro and Vinales to be the ones making the headlines alongside Mark Marquez, obviously.
2: Josh, thanks very much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure to chat all things MotoGP with you. Thank you very much. That's Josh Close from our
1: friends at the Checkered Flag speaking to us here on Rock Sport Radio. All right, let's talk British GT now. And welcome back, T.S. Sports' Ash Hand, to the show, who won the GT4 title alongside Tom Canning at the Donington Decider. Ash, many congratulations. Has it sunk in yet?
5: Oh, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. Um... You know, it was a funny one because you're in such a focused mindset for such a long time. That when you cross that finish line and you've eventually won the championship, it's, it's, it's a weird moment because you've been in that focused mindset and you can't quite let it sink in until probably maybe even a week later. Um, that You know, all the hard work you've put in throughout the season to, to make it happen and all the races you've done um, throughout the year to get there is, is, is over. Um, so it's it's a weird feeling, really. But no, we, we we're ecstatic to take the championship and become champions. So yeah, thank you.
1: And just talk just talk us through the race from your perspective, Ash. Because of course Tom took the start as well. So was it a bit nerve wracking having to watch the early part of the race?
5: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the I, I always think that um, when you're when you're watching, it's much more nerve wracking because when you're in the car, you've actually got some control over the things that you're doing. Um, and the the things that are going to make the race pan out especially in the first half of the race because if the first half of the race doesn't go your way then you could be pretty much out of it um, by the time you get in the car Um, and the fact that I've started most of the races this season it was a weird feeling having to sit and watch Tom start the race although I knew he'd do a great job he's been a great teammate all year so um, from that perspective I believed in him to do a fantastic job um, but yeah, it's, it's always nerve-wracking when you're watching And watching somebody else take your car around the first lap, first corner Because the amount of crashes that they've had this year Around the first corner is, is unbelievable So just watching it go around that first lap, first corner Was a tense moment, you know?
1: So if, was it, what was going through your mind during that safety car stint With about half an hour to go And I mean, there was so much pressure on you And and, and you, you coped with it tremendously well <laughs>
5: Yeah, well, we, um, it, was, it was a strange one, really. We used our tyres quite a lot in qualifying. Um, so instead of having a fresher set of tyres when we went out in the race, they weren't quite so fresh. Um, and Some people um, had new tyres to put on uh, for the second half of the race. Um, so when we went out, we weren't quite as quick as we wanted to be. Um, but we were in a good space. We had a good gap. We were behind, came out behind the Audi in second. Uh, but then when the safety car, pulled us all back together then we were in the middle of a pack again so we went from having a nice decent gap with a lot of space and a calm environment to be in to being in a hectic environment with loads of cars around us i think there was a train of probably about six cars at one point sat right behind me for maybe 10 laps just lap after lap on our bumper chasing us down um so it was tense but i think in those moments you've just got to keep focused on the next corner, the next corner, and just, instead of chasing the race, chase the corners, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, and your teammate Tom Cannon was interviewed on the, the pit wall at the time, and, and he said it was the most nervous he'd ever been in his life at that point of the race, and, and uh, when you, you mention the fact you just need to keep chasing the next corner and what have you, how do you train yourself for that as a driver in order to stay cool behind the wheel, particularly given when there was so much on the line? Yeah,
5: I think the uh, the biggest thing I think that most people make the mistake of you. I, I work a lot with mom in in sort of my mindset and how I think. And um, if you if you think in the future or the past, that's where your emotions lie. Um, but if you stay in the now um, and in the present moment, that's where you have a logical space. So that allows you to stay in that rhythm of picking your corners, your breaking point, your exit focus, and, and just staying in a nice rhythm. Um, instead of chasing uh, random um, emotions that, that come up It allows you to stay quite cool and calm So that's, that's the way I do it And it seems to work quite well in the, a tense, pressurised situation um, Because you don't end up feeling any of those things Because you don't seem to have any feelings You just go by logic, which is great mm-hmm.
1: And Ash, tell us a little bit about the relationship between you and Tom Because it's easy to forget that he's, what, 17 years old as well
5: yeah it is we have it's a we we have i suppose it's like a brotherly relationship um and because of the the age gap between us i think it makes it easier to to have a relationship like that um we we've been out and done lots of stuff this year we've even been go-karting at night times and we just get on like really good friends um and we we respect each other so if, if one of us is faster it's so easy to talk to each other and help each other become quicker and, and understand what we need to do to, to do well in the race. And You can talk very openly to each other um, without the other one being frustrated. because you, you can tell each other exactly how you feel and exactly how you've been thinking. Um, and if you don't like something the other one's done, you can tell them straight away and you can, you can fix it and move forward. And I think the, one of the things that makes our relationship special in that sense is the fact that we can do that. Um, And it makes us a lot stronger because if you're getting into a situation during the season, let's say at the halfway point where you're not getting on, um, which wasn't the case for us, we were always getting on, but you could talk to each other and you could fix things, which made it a lot easier for the both of us.
2: Hi, Ash. Adam here. Many congratulations to yourself and Tom on winning the, the title. How much does it mean to you personally as well? Because every driver wants to win the championship at the start of the year. But, you know, they can only be one or two. And for the team to have pulled it off as well, very impressive.
5: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, thank you very much, by the But, yeah, it was an amazing feeling um, for us to go from where we did in championship. We came into the season um, with a goal of obviously winning the championship. I came into the seat last minute, didn't do any testing. Um, so the first time I sat in the cars at Alton Park in the first round, which was it was difficult, to be honest. I've never um, done GT racing before, um, and I've had a couple of years out of the seat. So it was a tall order in, in thinking we were going to come into the championship in the first season and win it. Um, we had a lot to, a lot of work to do as a team. Uh, TF Sport, they did an amazing job all year. The car was faultless. Um, we've had points in the season where, like at Brands Hatch, the car, we had a problem overnight. The team had to work for 18 hours or something to, to fix the car um, for the race. And we literally managed to get the car down to the grid with 15 minutes to spare. So there's some been points throughout the season where everybody's had to work above and beyond um, to make sure that the car gets to the grid, the car's fast enough. Um, Me and Tom have had points in the year where we've had to work really hard overnight to figure out where we need to pick up speed and figure out how we can get faster for the race to make sure we can do the job. Um, Even at Spa, I wasn't quite quick enough in the qualifying, but come the race on the Sunday morning, we went from 6th to 1st on the opening lap. Um, and then we managed to drop back second, stay there and then get first on the um, final lap. So we had an amazing run this season um, and everybody involved has an amazing job. I think it's literally been faultless. So we're very proud of that.
2: And, Ash, it was so close in the team's championship as well with TF Sport beating Tolman Motorsport by just a single point. Just explain for everyone how important the team's championship as well and how much that is a testament to to not only your driving but the whole team around you.
5: Yeah, it's it's been... To be honest, things like that, they... um, I think the team deserved it.
2: Um,
5: The way they've put the effort... um, Of making the cars have been faultless all year. I think that's a testament to how well they do. Um, And you know, Patrick and Josh, they did a great job this year. Um, They were unlucky at a couple of the races um, with things that happened. One at the start of the race at Brandt Hatch, they were unlucky there with an accident. Um, And then at Silverstone, they started on pole and they um, they had an unlucky finish there, so they would have been right up there in the championship if they hadn't have had a couple of um faults during the during the season. Um and some of that's not down to their faults, you know what I mean? So I think that we would have absolutely smashed it in the teams championship, um and won the teams by quite a way. But they, we we deserved it. Um definitely. I think the team definitely deserved that.
1: Ash tell us a bit about um some of your your sponsors behind the scenes and, and everyone who's helped you along the way to success this season.
5: Yeah there's been there's been <laughs> I tell you there's been so much support um this season. I, I firstly I did the Aston Martin Race, Racing Academy. Um they helped me in terms of getting back in the seat. Um and they, they got me a drive with one of the best, well, the best team on the grid. So being with Aston has been a it's been a great journey. I've learnt lots on the way, um and that's been a great part of it. Um but you know, the sponsors that have helped me be there, um, mainly my family, they've, they've helped get me there. They've been there throughout my whole entire racing career. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do any of it without them um, backing me along the way, my sponsors. Um, and I think it's a testament to those guys, uh, really, because at the start of the season, we didn't have a drive, and it was in March when we decided we were going to do it. So it was all late notice. Um, so those people have helped us get to this championship. So, yeah, we're really pleased to have them behind us.
1: And ask just finally, what, what's on your radar for next season?
5: Um, I haven't decided yet. Um, we've got a couple of options um, for next season that we need to figure out. But I think the main focus for us is to continue the relationships that we have at the moment. Do you know, I mean, we, I think you're always... There's always things floating around that could happen, but I think our main focus and everything that we want to focus on uh, for next year is staying with Aston. Um, and I'd love to be in their seat next year racing something else. So I think um, their products this year and the way the Aston car was in its first season, I think the GT uh, GT4 Forks' its first season, the Vantage, um, is an amazing product. So for me, that's where I'd like to be um,
1: for the future, really. Great stuff, Ash. Thanks very much for joining us on the show again. Great to have you with us on Pole Position.
5: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, guys.
1: That's Ash Hand there speaking to us on Rocksport Radio. All right, let's move on to the rally stage now. And there's just one week to go until Wales Rally GB. And joining us on Pole Position to look ahead um, to the event and look at all the big talking points as well, of course, is rally expert David Halley. David, we didn't get a chance to to recap Turkey last week, but I just want to start by getting your thoughts on this Drivers' Championship situation because back in Germany, it looked like Tanak was a stick-on, but now his lead's gone from 33 points down to 17 with just three events to go.
6: Yes, that man Ogier pops his head up again just when you least expect it. We'd, we'd, we, we don't. I think we'd both written him off um, as not being in the championship hunt for for this year, and suddenly out of nowhere, a car that was undrivable on the tarmac in Germany suddenly, uh, both he and Esapekalli coming a one-two for Citroen, uh, almost out of the blue.
1: No, absolutely, and, and and of course Ogier, that was his first win since Mexico. But but I wonder if there's a a bit of a sense of déjà vu here with Seb because go back to this time last year he was what 24 points behind and then he went on to win it by a margin of about 18 points as well I'm right in saying so I dare say he goes into the last couple of events here quietly fancying his chances
6: Not quietly, I can assure you. He will absolutely fancy his chances. The only thing we have, we have a tarmac round appearing in the middle of the last three. So whether he's managed to tame that car on tarmac and, and be able to, to, to drive it that he wasn't able to drive in, in Germany is going to be very interesting. But uh, two events on, on gravel in Australia and, and Wales Rally GB next weekend, it's, uh, it's yeah, he's, he's not out of the hunt where he was looking almost dead and buried and, and uh, heading for not being championed and uh, he's suddenly uh, in, in the hunt as we say, he's, he's very much back in it and as, as has happened in the past, Sebastian did incredibly well and his two nearest competitors have near disasters mm-hmm. Terry Neuville ending up 8th and uh, Tanak even further back although Tanak did manage to uh, pull off a week coup and uh, do very well in the power stage by running the last day with no spare wheel and just going, uh, setting everything up for a belt through the the power stage to get the full five points.
1: David, do you think Thierry's out of it now because he's 30 points off Tanak, without a podium in the last four events as well? Are we asking a bit too much to expect anything out of the next three events, or? I dare say. It, I mean, that's the nature of rally. You've, you've got to complete the event, and if he's there or thereabouts, he, he, he could be he could be right up there.
6: To finish first, first you've got to finish, and there are there are many many opportunities to throw the car at the scenery coming up over the next three events. So it is about getting to the end, and and Thierry's got as much chance as as any of them really. Just to uh, yes, he's a, a bit further back, but all it takes is for the other two to have a problem, Thierry to win an event and uh, get some good power stage points, and then it's all to play for again. It's it's uh, too close to call still.
1: David, the, the driver market hasn't quite started making any big moves yet, but the, the talk is Danny Sordo looks set to stay at Hyundai for another year on one of his part-time deals. Do you think that's a good move for for Hyundai? Because, he, you know, he, he's been okay this year. He's, he's, of course, got that win in Sardinia, um, but he's, he's a driver, he's, he's a known quantity to the team, and he can consistently get some some pretty good finishes with that car.
6: Uh, good manufacturer points is is what they're looking to gain from from Danny Sordo and the, the occasional flash of brilliance which he brings to it. He's got a very level head. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows what he's doing. Uh, it's a great, uh, yeah, a, a great benefit to the team. The interesting one from my point of view was before Rally Turkey, uh Tanak made the statement that by the Monday of after Rally Turkey, he would have made his decision about where he's going for next year we're a week and a bit beyond that and we still have no decision. So there's obviously some indecision uh, within mind about what he's doing for next year and, and he's the one that's going to settle the market uh, once once we know where he's going.
1: Mm. And David, there's, there's also a bit of uncertainty um, at a kind of political level within the World Rally Championship because we've expected next year's calendar for quite some time. We're still not at there. I mean, the, the talk is we'll, we'll get it next week, but... Um, There seems to be the chat that that Spain and Corsica will be away looking at Japan and the the Safari rally returning as well, of course. But how much of a hindrance is this for the manufacturers that we don't have next year's um, itinerary set in stone?
6: Well... as as far as most of the manufacturers are concerned, the the stuff that is going out to Australia uh, for the the long haul, the last event of this season will actually form an awful lot of the stuff that's going to be used for the long haul events at the start of next season. So the teams are busy, or have been, uh, the the containers are long gone now, but the, the teams have had to make the kind of guess as to what's going to happen and put the appropriate bits into the containers that do the long haul Rounds. Yes, the cars, the individual cars, are flown out to the events, but all the the backup stuff, all the the service area and that kind of equipment, Vicky uh, cars and what have you, they're all already on their way to Australia, and will do uh, most of the uh, long haul events next year. So, there's, the teams have had to kind of make a, a guess as to what they're going to need and when they're going to need it.
1: David, just a, a quick word on Elfin Evans, who's been out in action recently ahead of his return next week. What do you think he'll be aiming for at Wales Rally GB? Of course, it's his home event, and he'll be he'll be wanting to be right up there. But what's a kind of realistic expectation and target for Elfin and Scott going into this one?
6: Well, they won it a couple of years ago. Why not have them down to win it again? This time, they 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 have, if you like, they have no pressure on them from a championship point of view. Having missed a couple of events with the the damage to his back after uh, Rally Estonia, uh, he's he's not in in the hunt for anything. Um, uh, in, in terms of, of, of a championship so he, he's, he's probably a, pretty much a free agent to go and do what he needs to do and uh, if he can repeat the form of a couple of years ago that would be absolutely superb
1: And uh, David just finally is, is, uh, is there anything else that's um, caught your eye this week or anything else you should be looking ahead for um, ahead of Wales Rally GP
6: uh, nothing particular that I, I can come up with. We, we've, we obviously also had, uh, as well as Rally Turkey, we had um, the Galloway Hills Rally in the south of Scotland, which was the deciding round of the British Rally Championship, although the Scottish Championship was deciding. The British Championship went into that with Matt Edwards and Tom Cave, both in with a chance of winning it, uh, winning the championship. Tom put absolutely superb performance together uh, in winning the event uh, was very very committed and aggressive and and just had to give it everything matt edwards was driving the parts van round he had so many spare parts in the back of that vehicle to get it to the finish he really only had to finish higher than seventh to ensure the championship he ended up third which is a great result for a vehicle that was very very much heavier than those round about him and uh, Matt Edwards is the British Rally Championship in the Swift Go M Sport uh, Ford Fiesta. So uh, it's a double, double British champion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff, David. Thanks very much for your time, as always, here on Pole Position.
6: And we'll have a, a chat about who who's going to do what, and we'll uh, p- put our fingers in the air to see who's <laughs> going to, who we're going to choose for uh, Wales Rally GB. We'll do that next week.
1: Absolutely, David. Great stuff. That's Rally Expert David Alley there speaking to us on Rock Sport Radio. I certainly look forward to that. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> now let's find out the latest from the Scottish scene by getting the super fast Scotch Roundup with Glen Alcock.
3: Good evening, guys. Hello to everybody who's listening. So the Scottish Motor Racing Club launched its eSports Championship last night. So it was the first race uh, with Kevin Ellis Jr. taking the first win uh, with a field of 31 competitors taking part. So the goal here is making your virtual dream become a reality as competitors race online. They were at Snetterton um, in the race last night in the hope of becoming the first SMRC eSports champion, which gives them a fully funded race weekend in the Scottish Legends Championship as the prize uh, and that will be the, the final at uh, the SMRC awards on November 23rd in Glasgow. So that's a, a great opportunity for Sunday. Um, speaking of the SMRC, so micro machines uh, racing from Croft, so they are my fellow C1 competitors Ross Dunn and Colin Mayne, so they took part in the three-hour C1 race at Croft last weekend and it's great to see them honing their skills that they've learned at Knockhill Hill at another circuit in the UK. Colin Noble, we've mentioned a few times, so he's continuing his busy season with uh, racing at Spa, and he had the Le Mans Cup, where he finished in second place on a Saturday with teammate Tony Wells. Sadly, scrutineer identified an issue with the car, along with two other teams who had the same problem, and the cars were all disqualified. So that that was unfortunate for them. But Sunday's European Le Mans Series race was better with a third place in the four-hour race, Uh, although until the closing stages, it actually looked like the victory was on the cards for um, Colin and Tony, so they've got one race to go in Porter now, next month Moving on to two wheels John McPhee narrowly missed out on a podium at Aragon in the Moto3 race and is currently sitting 4th in the Championship Rory Skinner missed out on a podium twice um, with two fourth place finishes at Assen in the British Supersport as well Continuing the theme of bike racing, the Scottish Championship finals this weekend at Knockhill Hill on both Saturday and Sunday. Pints are available at knockhill.com and action will be on track from 9am on the Saturday and the Knockhill Motorsports Club is also looking for marshals. So if you're a, a, attending as a spectator and are interested, uh, speak to some of the marshals or go along to the circuit office and see if you can get yourself signed up. That does seem to be a little bit of a problem at the moment. And obviously, without marshals, we wouldn't be able to compete. So marshals are also required for the return of the Jim Clark Rally on the 8th and 9th of November. You can register at rallystageteam.co.uk and you can do the online marshal training, which I've done at, motorsport, uh, dot, at motorsportuk.org. And um, that would be a, a big, big help for um, competition in Scotland. Disability Motorsports Scotland. So we've mentioned them before, run by Mr Colin Duffy. So they were at Cames and New Yorkirk, um And over the last 18 months, you've had 100 disabled drivers um, participating in the free sessions, which is really encouraging disabled drivers to get involved with in motorsport. And as previously mentioned, you know, we've had double amputee David Burrell. People like Billy Munger, they're they're a testament to why, even if you've got a disability, it shouldn't stop you giving up on your dreams and getting involved in motor racing. Looking ahead, British Touring Car Championship coming up, so Rory Butcher and Aidan Moffat, we need some support for them, and uh, Blank Pan GT in Spain, so we've got Johnny Adams, Sandy Mitchell and Finlay
1: Hutchison that will be competing there as well. And that's all I've got for this week. And Glenn, just a a quick word on your own driving back in action next weekend, of course, for the final round of the SMRC, um, clockwise around not kill. What's the the expectations going into there?
3: Yeah, so I mean it's it's gonna be good to to get back on track. Um it always feels like ages when you're not driving. So I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously it'll be the last kind of dose of racing we're gonna get this year. Um I'm looking forward to the normal direction. We've tended to be a bit faster in reverse, but we had a track night recently, got a little bit of coaching and stuff, so hopefully that's made the difference. Um and yeah, it's it's gonna be great just to, to get back on track for that one last time this season and then we'll
1: be we'll be looking towards next year. Excellent, great stuff. Glenn, thanks very much for your time as always here on Pole Position. Thank you very much. Cheers. That's the Superfast Scots roundup up there with Glenn Alcock. All right, um just um that's us almost out of time on this week's pole position. But um Adam, since you've been giving me um no end of absolute pelters from a World Rally Championship predictions this year, let's get your predictions for the, the Russian Grand Prix this weekend in Formula One. Who do you think's gonna um, be on the top step of the podium this weekend? I'm going to say
2: Vettel again, bit of momentum, and uh, I think he's still got to prove himself slightly because he did get lucky with Charles Leclerc. So I want to see Vettel win a race on his own merit, and I think there's the real opportunity for Ferrari to do that this weekend.
1: Mm. What about yourself? Because if I'm taking Pelters, I do you <laughs> well, it as well next week. Oh, we should we should have learned um, something on this show about my predictions. I tell you, um, I think it would be it would be nice for the sport if. Ferrari were to win and so much as it makes it the, the the final phase of the season, you know, quite interesting. Rather if if Mercedes aren't dominating again and what have you, it can I perhaps, um, you know... Just just a shame the start
2: of the season, isn't it? The series were so dominant because we saw Red Bull, Ferrari up there. It would have been great if this had been the start of the season and we would have had a real battle
1: for for both championships. Absolutely, yeah. I I think um, Vettel's certainly got a bit of momentum on his side now, so let's see how he gets on on Sunday. And unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on Pole Position this week. But we'll be back from 8 o'clock next Thursday night to do it all again. thanks to Adam, to our guests, and to a few of you for listening as well. Stay tuned for The Rock Zone, coming up next. Love music. Live
0: sport. Pole Position with Andy Alston and Adam Todd on Rock Sport Radio.